If you read through the New Testament, you will, uh, and the New Testament letters particularly, um, you will come across references to this uh, special word translated often as one another. There are about 60 references to it in the New Testament. Um, if it's not translated one another, then it's each other or each one. And then on top of that, you have many multiple references to brothers and sisters, to the church being a body, and we are part of it, we are members of it, to the church being a building or a temple, and we are stones built into it together, or we are a family, brothers and sisters together. We are called out of the kingdom of Satan, sin and self, and we are called to the kingdom of God and to one another, part of his family. Following Jesus means unconditional obedience. It's an all or nothing, round the clock commitment. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Total obedience. All of the time. Anytime. About anything. There is no situation where we, as followers of Jesus, are not to obey. It involves sacrificial service, to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, so it's continuous. And it's a total devotion to God's will, and total means entire. Total devotion. Whatever God's will is, we are devoted to doing it. We serve the Lord with our will, our time and our money. We serve the Lord with our mind and our heart. We serve the Lord in what we do and don't do, in what we say and what we don't say. And it's 24-7, 365. And in the New Testament, following Jesus is always a group thing. There are very few references to individuals following Jesus. Certainly salvation is individual, but we are saved together, not saved alone. There are some very rare exceptions to that in the New Testament, and the exceptions just proves the rule, that it's God's will for us to be together. Following Jesus was always in groups, whether it was two or three, whether it was 12 or 70 or 120, or whether it was 500, it was a local church. People were together. A Christian by themselves is an easy target for the evil one. The lost sheep that has gotten astray needs to be restored and returned to the flock. We're in this together. And as Nick said, submission is a very key element to following Jesus, submission to him. But that also means submitting to one another. Not just wives to husbands, not just to those who are our leaders, but to one another in our relationships. Not going first ourselves, but submitting to one another and always esteeming the other and helping the other. None of us, no one, is omnicompetent or self-sufficient. We submit to one another also in receiving the hard word, the correction, the rebuke or the admonition. It means that we respect one another, to honour one another, to not assert our will or our way, and it's to seek to do it together with him. If you remember, uh, we just did a series on 1 John, and remember the triangle that I drew of God at the top and then there's us, and the other aspect to the triangle is other believers. That's an inseparable triangle, it's an inseparable truth. If we know God, then we are committed to one another. And in fact, this morning I want to emphasise 
The way we relate to God and the way God relates to us is affected by how we relate to one another. If this is not right, if this is not good, if this is not the way God wants it to be, then that impacts how he will be responding to us. Let me illustrate that for you. Imagine you had... Well, no, I'll illustrate it this way. I'm a parent, many of you are parents, and you have children. I want you to imagine a parent that has four children. <clears throat> the way the children behave, and parents, good parents, always have behavioural expectations, both at home but also in public. The way there is a relationship, so there is a security in the relationship, that's a parent, the father or mother, and the child, and that's secure, that doesn't change. The parent loves the child and the child loves the parent. That doesn't change. But there are also behavioural expectations. And depending on the behaviour of the child, that can reveal a different aspect to the parent's closeness to the child. The love is still there. The relationship is still there. But there's just a different response because the parent has the responsibility to train the child, to train up a child in the way it should go, behaviourally that it might be a good and healthy member of both of the family, but also of society. And so, for, for example, if I gave, the parent gave to one of the children uh, a bag of sweets, a bag of lollies, and if the child kept them all to themselves, then that would not be pleasing to the father, would it? So that's going to draw forth some sort of response from the father, out of love, Still in relationship, still a child. The child is not cut off and orphaned. Uh, but there is some sort of discipline or some sort of correction going to come. So too with our Heavenly Father. He entrusts us with a blessing and depending on what we do with the blessings and if we keep it for ourselves, uh, that doesn't change his love for us. It doesn't change our relationship with him but it does change the way that he will relate to us in terms of fellowship, whether he will bring correction or withdrawal or whatever it is that he will do. So all the way through the New Testament, we have these uh, one another and each other statements. The Lord Jesus, in this passage, in fact, that we read, it talks about being members of one another, being devoted to one another, to honour one another and to be in harmony with one another. Jesus gave us a new commandment. Um, and his new commandment takes uh, this commitment to one another up a notch. The first and greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbour as yourself. Well, that was easy, easier in the Old Testament, to love your neighbour as yourself. Because we love ourselves, we look after ourselves. And so we're to treat others that way. But the new commandment takes it up a notch. He now says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Not as we love ourselves now, but as he loved us. And how did he love us? Well, he laid down his life for us. So now that's what's required. That's what Jesus wants in his family. This is the degree of love that Jesus wants for his church, that we are um, to be committed to each other, to be connected. It's impossible for a New Testament Christian to not belong to a church. I know it happens but it's something wrong, it's abnormal. And I know some of you here this morning are either 
visiting or you've left a church and you're in the process of looking for another church and you're more than welcome and that's fine, that's healthy. My concern are for those who, through hurt or circumstances or whatever, life happens, they withdraw from the church but they don't go to another church. Or in the process of withdrawing from the church, they then just become church hoppers. That they're not committed. They're not members. They're not belonging. They, if something nice is happening in another church, they can easily just duck off over there and you know, go and um, have fellowship or whatever. And That's not the New Testament standard or requirement. You cannot be a fully obedient New Testament Christian without being committed to a local church. And if you're not committed to a local church, let me encourage you to commit. If this is your church, then commit, if you haven't already. And if this is not your church you're just visiting, then God bless you, but you find your local church and commit to it. I don't mind which church you're in, but God wants you in a church. Not just the invisible church, he wants you in a local church. And you'll know people, as I do, who are part of the invisible church of the Lord Jesus. There was a man once who went to a pastor and he knew that that church uh, had a welfare program like we do. Went to the pastor, said he was a Christian and the pastor said, which church do you belong to? He said, oh, I'm part of the invisible church. And he came to get some money for some need. And the pastor said to him, you don't belong to any local church. No, I'm part of the invisible church. He said, well, here's some invisible money. (laughs) New Testament Christians belonged. God desires every believer to be a functioning member of a local church. And of course, as we age and uh, we become less mobile and all those sorts of things, then the functioning changes. But turning up, encouraging, praying, giving, that's all being a functioning member of the body of Christ. And that's what God desires for us. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 says this, from him, from the Lord Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love when? As each part does its work. The smallest injury to any part of our body affects us. I can cut my finger and my whole body knows about it. There is no part of me that can be injured in some way or hurt that the rest of the body is not aware of it. That's the analogy that Paul is using for the New Testament church. We are to be connected, we are to know one another, and on top of that, all of the one another statements that we are to care for one another. In this passage, as I said, um, Paul talks about being members of one another, and I'm just going to take a few minutes to talk about each of those four and then move on. If you take the 60 one another statements through the New Testament, we're not going to spend 60 weeks, one week on each one, but if you collate them, and I've tried to collate them, and I into about five. So one of them, and that's today's talk, that we are members of one another, we belong together. We are to honour one another, be devoted to one another, be in harmony together, to be committed to one another. Here are the other four. I put these like all these different sorts of one another statements, like building up one another, to admonish one another, teach one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, stir one another up. That's next week. To care for one another, 
to bear with one another, forgive one another, be patient with one another, to look out for the interest, to consider, to comfort, hospitality, to serve one another, is to submit to one another, to be in community together, and then to speak to one another, to pray for one another, to greet one another, and so on. The New Testament also lists seven, that's 60 of them, uh, 30 of them, about half of them are by the Apostle Paul and the other 30 are by the other writers of the New Testament. But there are also some negative um, one another statements. If I can find that list. The New Testament also says, do not lie to one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. If you keep biting and devouring each other, you'll be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Do not slander, speak badly of one another. Don't grumble against one another. We're not going to look at the negatives, but they are certainly scattered through the New Testament for us, these one another statements. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, 14 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have got a grievance against someone... Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The supreme one another command of the New Testament is love one another. 16 times it's used. And all of these other one another statements are simply a description of or an amplification of what it means to love one another. To be kind, to be forgiving, to speak, to greet, to comfort, to encourage, and, and so on and so on and so on. Over all of these put on love. 1 Peter 4 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a whole multitude of mistakes and sins and offences and faults and irritations. We are fallen people whom God loves incredibly, and He is at work in our lives, and the job is not finished. So we do offend, we do hurt, we do make mistakes, we do say the wrong thing. That's where love has to be extended to one another and to cover a multitude of our sins. We are to, these one another statements, correct the mistaken idea that one does not need the church. You can't be an obedient New Testament Christian without obeying the one another statements. You can only obey the one another statements in the context of a local church. Not by flitting from local church to local church, but committed to one, where you are obeying all 60. It challenges the idea, I can worship God on my own. That's partially true, but it's only partially true. In fact, I would say we must worship God on our own and we must worship God together with others. And finally, these one another statements confront the mistaken idea about spiritual hitchhikers, as I've already said, or spiritual freelancers who benefit without commitment or responsibility to a local church. Michael Griffiths says it very strongly, quite confrontively. He says, people who are Christians who are not committed to the local church, he likens it to, they are like... They are more like lice, ticks, or fleas. Said it's pretty confrontive. That live as parasites on church bodies. If they hear of a warmer church, they can hop over there and enjoy a good suck while they're there. These floating non-members 
are ignoring the New Testament. He writes very strongly. He wrote a series, three books, all in with Cinderella with Amnesia. Uh, Cinderella, I forget the name of the, the other two. But he's a very passionate, strong writer. By contrast, these one another statements show us that we need the local church. It shows us that discipleship happens and develops in community where we strengthen and stimulate and sustain one another. And it shows us these one another statements that the church is a family, the father's family, that it's the son's body, the body of Christ, and that it's the spirit's temple in which he dwells. God saves us individually, but he also saves us corporately, and he's going to save us um, cosmically. He's going to new heavens and a new earth. In Romans chapter 12, let's work our way through that reasonably quickly. Um, because how I interact and relate and connect with others in my local church has an influence, a direct influence and an impact on my fellowship and closeness with God. Let me say that again. My response to God impacts my fellowship and closeness with other believers. My response to other believers impacts and influences my fellowship with God. If you don't hear anything else, please get that truth this morning. Lock it away in your heads. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says, in view of the gospel, in view of all that God has done for us, in light of God's mercy and kindness to us, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Submit to him fully. And then Paul goes on immediately to talk about be members of one another. No individual Christians in it together. Then he talks about to be devoted to one another, to show family affection, brotherly and sisters. I don't know what it's like in your family. Some families are close-knit and other families are a little bit scattered and divided and, and not healthy and many are in the middle of that. Um, my family's probably one, my growing up family, natural family. Um, <clears throat> we love and care for each other, know each other, don't have a lot to do with each other. But every time we see each other, there's an immediate bond and an awareness. And I'm sure that's true for many of you as well. My, my family that's grown for me with Rhonda, our kids and our grandkids, that's a much closer. We talk far more often uh, and far more supportive and far more engaging. That's how it works for us. Well, in the family of God, regardless of your biological or nuclear family, we are to be a family. We are to be brothers and sisters. We are not to ignore our family, 1 Timothy 5.8, but nor are we to promote our family and neglect our church family. We have this dual responsibility to our brothers and sisters. Remember when Jesus was teaching in a house that was so full and his mother and his brothers came to get him? And they said, they're waiting for you outside. And he said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Are not those who hear and obey the word of God. They are my brothers and my sisters. We, his new family that he is building. What that, of course, means is that if you're one of those people that have had a hard experience, a nasty experience where you've been hurt by another Christian or another church or even in this church, <clears throat> you need to do something about that. If you've been deeply hurt, uh, find a way either to cover it with love or to process it, to get healing for it. Find a way forward to be vulnerable because that's what God wants you to do. 
He doesn't want you drawing lines in the sand and ignoring other people. He wants those walls to come down. He wants his church to be a reflection of him. That his love for us is what we are to have for each other. We are to honour one another, not in rivalry, but it's a demonstration of respect and appreciation. We are to make one another look good and sound good. So don't put each other down, but encourage and strengthen them. And Paul says we are to be in harmony, have the same mind. Not necessarily the same opinion, because we won't. But we do agree on the gospel, we do agree on Jesus, and we find harmony and oneness in him. What breaks harmony in a church? Pride. Self. Whether it's pride in my nationality, pride in my intelligence, pride in my gifts, pride in my status, it leads to division and unfriendliness. Is there someone with whom you disagree and you're not in harmony? Why? Why? Bring it to the Lord. If it's an important issue, deal with it. If it's not, get over it. Put it aside. Stop grieving the Spirit. Start pleasing the Heavenly Father. Be prepared to apologise if you're the one who has been wrong and be prepared to forego honouring yourself by being right. Be reconciled. Our relationships with one another, our vertical relationships with God, includes our horizontal relationships with other believers. God wants to make it crystal clear that my relationship with him is impacted by and impacts my relationship here. We've just been through 1 John, and that's one of John's strong themes. You can't say, I love God, but hate your brother and sister. If you do, you're lying. To yourself, to others, can't happen. There are 60 one another reminders in the New Testament, as I have said, clearly indicate that the Christian life is not about Jesus and me. The Christian life is about Jesus and me and his people and others, especially the local church. So if we took all of those one another statements and we put them together, we would get, as I said, a description of love. What's the New Testament biblical definition of love? Where is that found for us? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know that overused, over-familiar passage? Let me invite you to have a look at it again today. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the Corinthian church where he has just said that we are his body and no one can say, I don't need you or I don't belong. He said, no, no, God has made us and shaped us and gifted us and put us in the body. He's the one who put us here. So that irritating so-and-so who is part of this church is here because God. Why? Well, to grow us, to mature us. can be painful, but it's necessary. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but don't have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, I can move mountains, but don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body for hardship uh, that I may boast, but don't have love, nothing. Read through 1 Corinthians and in the first three verses particularly, put your name in, in place of love, or in place of I. If Daryl speaks in tongues of men or of angels, 
but doesn't have love. I'm simply a swinging rusty gate, a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If Daryl has a gift of prophecy and can do this and do that, but has not love, nothing. And then in verses 4 to 7, Paul goes through and he defines what love is. Love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it's not proud, doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Put your name in. Place of love, put your name. Rhonda is patient. I can do this because she's watching online. Daryl is patient. Sometimes. Daryl is kind, usually. Daryl doesn't envy. Doesn't boast. I'm not doing well. Daryl is not proud. Well, in the bad sense. Doesn't honour. Uh, doesn't dishonour others. Is not self-seeking. Is not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Put your name in. See how you go. That's a good evaluation. Would you describe yourself as a loving person? I would describe myself as a loving person. When I read that list, I got a ways to go. I got stuff I got to work on. So you're in good company. Haddon Robinson is a preacher who preached a series to a whole conference of pastors, missionaries and professors at a theological seminary. He preached 1 Corinthians 13. He's a very good preacher, one of the world's leading preachers and written books on preaching and so on. This is his summary of that message of 1 Corinthians 13. Love is the, one, love is the thing which if a church has, it doesn't really need much else. And if it doesn't have it, whatever else it does have, doesn't really matter much. That's how important this is. Remember John, the Apostle John, used to carry him to church and they would say, John, you got anything you wanted to say? And he would rise up on one arm and he would say, little children, love one another. And eventually the disciples came to him and they said, why do you always say that every Sunday? He said, because it's the command of the Lord Jesus and if you do that, it's everything. That's exactly what Haddon Robinson is saying, 1 Corinthians 13 is teaching us. Loving one another, it's that high, that important. We love because he first loved us. That's worth parking there for a while, I don't have time, but I'd encourage you, meditate on that. We love because we love him because he loves us. Our love is a response. And therefore, we love one another Not because they're lovable. We love one another because he loves them. We're doing what he does. Reflecting him to one another. Love for one another is an extension of our friendship and our love for God. There is this inseparable link. Hebrews 6.10 God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. What you do with one another shows him that you love him. Hebrews 6.10. There are several of these in the New Testament. Matthew 25 verse 40. Truly I tell you, whatever you do for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you do it to me, Jesus says. 1 Peter 3.7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect. It says it's the weaker partner, weaker in terms of uh, precious and priceless. Uh, partner, and as heirs with you are the gracious gift of life. Why? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Your relationship with your wife will affect your relation, your fellowship with God. Doesn't change the relationship, but it does affect the closeness and so on. 1 John 3.23. This is his command. Believe in Jesus and 
love one another, just as he said. There are questions available for this, um, uh, for our groups and so on. Let me finish with this. Paul Stanley and Robert Clinton wrote a book, and in the book, they, Paul Stanley talks about a time when he spoke to a psychologist. And the psychologist had expressed to him uh, an increasing concern that he had that the number of people needing counselling was rising and he could see no solution to it. He couldn't see any taming of the tide, um, stemming of the tide. Um, and then Paul suggested to him, he said, there is a solution, that's reconciliation to God. And then the psychologist said to him, confessed that he was raised in a Christian home, that he had gone to church, but now he didn't do so anymore. And he says these two things. Why isn't he going to church anymore? Number one, it appeared to him that the gospel had little effect on those who embraced it. Ouch. Number two, the psychologist said, I would say that two-thirds of my clients are practising Christians. Do you know the one in other statements in the New Testament? He says to Paul, and Paul said, yeah. And he says, I am thoroughly convinced that if Christians practise them to any degree, 90% of my Christian clients wouldn't need me. If we did what the New Testament tells us to do, there would be a lot of healing, emotional, mental, relational. As Francis of Assisi used to say, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. If you're sitting next to somebody, turn to them and say, God loves you, and he sent me to tell you. Turn to them, say that now. God loves you. And he sent me to tell you. Not all of the people, I'm going to finish, time's gone. Not all of the people we are called to greet, encourage and honour, be devoted to and be in harmony with, not all of the people are going to be warm and cuddly. Love them anyway. That's what he requires of us. Brothers and sisters, let's love one another and please our Lord. We love one another because he loves them. You matter to God. You haven't looked into the eyes of a human being that he does not love. Love them. Let's pray. Lord, <clears throat> we love you and you love us and we acknowledge we need to do that more and do it better. And we know, Lord, that you want us to love those that you love, especially one another in this church, in this place. Father, the way we treat one another, in fact, you've shown us, is how we treat you. Could you help us to see one another, to love one another, simply because you do, and so should we. Lord, help us to be obedient and to please you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. It's a good reminder for us as a church. Now let's practice it. See how you go. If you've got to race off because of family commitments or whatever,